Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. World changed quite a bit there. And we got a little distracted along the way. But we're back. Another little project that got a little delayed along the way was Clash of Climates. This was the trip which happened up in Lofoten a little over a year ago and included Sweden's own Tim Latte and Indonesian superstar Marlon Gerber. A really cool project. Uh, there was a great crew together to tell the story and they've recently released that story online for everyone to enjoy. Uh, it's live now, Clash of Climates. Uh, there's been a link already provided through Instagram and on the website for Nordic Surfers Magazine. But this is a podcast that was recorded whilst that project was being filmed up in Lufulton in March at the Arctic Co-working Lodge, the boys up there. Uh, really cool to sit down with Marlon Gerber. He's a, he's a really uh, quite an exceptional surfer and he was certainly doing his thing in some exceptional uh, conditions for that particular project. Um, huge thanks to him for sitting down. Huge thanks to Tim Latte for putting that uh, together and bringing bringing your podcast host along. And a huge thanks to Kona Brewing for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and for being a supporter of Nordic Surfers Magazine. We've got a few more episodes in the vault that are going to come out soon for you all. But for now, enjoy this chat with Marlon Gerber and stay tuned for a fair bit more. This is another episode of the Nordic Surfers Magazine Conversations podcast, a very special one that is being filmed from a very small room in Lufulton. And I am, we're just about to be interrupted by Tim Latte. Your beers? Just, oh, sorry, thanks for the warm beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're just um, kicking off this podcast, and my special guest today is Marlon Gerber. What up? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me for this podcast episode. It is a real treat. It's been a real treat. Um, hanging out with you this week, I've got to say. Um, the story that I need to start with is that, you know, the story I told you as soon as we stepped onto the plane that this, uh, this is like, yeah, it must be nearly, how long ago would that be? It must be like 2008, I reckon, or seven or eight. Yeah, about 10 years. Yeah, it's like least. 10 years, just yeah. over 10 years ago that um, Marlon very kindly donated a very good surfboard to a party I was having back in Foster. And it was a going away party for myself and my girlfriend at the time. And we were having a ping pong championship at a restaurant called The Reef. And who were you cruising with on that trip? Was it the analog team at the time, I want to yeah. say? Yeah, so at that time I rode for Gravis Footwear, which uh, was yeah. owned by the Burton Group. There we and, go. Uh, so it was me, Kalani Rob, Rizal, uh, Benji, and uh, Ben Godwin. Yeah, got and, um, Yeah, we did a trip to Foster and uh, got some waves there and yeah, just... Had a good time there and met you guys. Yeah, rocked up. Yeah. It was a good surprise, you know, as a young guy, you're having a party and then yeah. all these pro surfers rock up. And you're like, cool, come and hang out. So we're having the ping pong tournament and I was pretty hot. I was on form and <laughs> I had snapped a good friend's surfboard a couple of days before and I was about to leave the country and I had to buy this guy a new surfboard. So when this surfboard 
was brought in by Marlon for the winner of the ping pong tournament, I was like, yes, this is it. This is it. This is mine. I don't have to spend, you know, a few hundred bucks to replace this board. And I got all the way to the final and I lost. I came second <laughs> and that is the story. But the board went to a really good home, I was yeah. telling you, and yeah. um, had a really good life. So yeah. I want to start by saying thanks for that. It was a very fond memory. and. Uh, yeah, I was stoked to give that board away and like, you know, to to see, um, to have you say that memory again from back then, yeah. it was a nice surprise. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a good way to kick off. I was pretty excited about coming on this trip. So, yeah. we're sitting in Lofoten. Um we're about, what, seven days into this Arctic adventure of yours. Mm-hmm. You got another week ahead of you? Five more days, yeah. Five more days? Yeah. <clears throat> What have been your impressions of Lofoten? Um, so far, so good. I really enjoy my time here. Um, the first two days was a bit rough, you know, mm. adjusting to the climate, especially being in the water. Mm. Um, my booties were too thin and mm. I had a, a leak in my gloves for the first session. That doesn't help. <laughs> so that was pretty rough. But then, you know, the, sec- uh, the third session, by the third session, I was, I was feeling okay. Yeah. yeah. You're into it. Yeah, like felt like... I think we had a good session. Like I think that day you maybe clocked up nearly two hours in the surf. Yeah, I was surprised myself I stayed out that long. Mm. Um, I'm wearing a 5.3 suit with uh, 8 millimeter booties and 7 millimeter gloves. Mm. And uh, yeah, as long as like I kept moving in the lineup, it was okay. It was just when we were waiting for the waves. Yeah. It got a bit cold. Yeah, it was pretty... And I think that's one of the learnings... From this type of surfing, right? Like, if you're not moving around, you're kind of dying. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be active, for sure. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I mean, that other surf we had on the right, you know, that swell period was up mm. near, like, 20 seconds. And then the sets were just, like, 20 minutes that in between. Painful, yeah. Yeah. It was, like, <laughs> next level. Yeah. I felt bad for the, you know, the photographers. You guys were just, like chilling at one spot not mm. even moving i was moving a bit but and i was still cold and i can just imagine how the photographers would feel too yeah yeah they were but they've done a good job huh like for a bunch of german dudes yeah. who like haven't done a lot of surf photography yeah. in the water like they've done a really exceptional job wouldn't you say yeah i was um surprised that they haven't done anything like this before mm. but uh yeah so far so good yeah yeah. All right, so there's five days ahead and you're hopefully going to score a few more different waves. The majority of our surf has taken place uh, in Unstad at the mm-hmm. main break there. Mm-hmm. How, um, for, for maybe, I'm hoping that there's some listeners from, from Bali who listen to this podcast episode for the first time ever, which would be kind of cool. Um, a few Nordic surfers have surfed that this break before, so they're kind of more familiar with it. But how would you describe it to like people from outside of the Nordics, this mm. this beach and these waves? Well, Unstad, that bay itself has like four different waves on it. There's mm. that left, the beach break, and then the right. The beach break has the left and the right. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's like a, yeah, it's a bunch of different style of waves in one beach. So mm. it's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Do you think... Uh, people seeing your experience when, you know, when some clips, some photos have started to work their way out there yeah. into the world but by the time we've recorded this. 
What have been some of the reactions from people back home to you surfing in this kind of climate? Yeah, they're shocked. A lot of my friends that in Bali were shocked that I'm here, and like they're like, "What the hell are you doing there?" You know, mm. you got perfect warm waves at home, mm. and I don't know. For me, it's just a, an experience. You know, I'm, I don't know if I'm gonna come back here, but the opportunity came up, and yeah, I decided to go and. I'm glad that I came. It's it's been really fun so far. I've been enjoying myself a lot. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's um. How often do you do trips these days with like outside of Indonesia? Like, is it um, are you kind of spoiled back home where you don't yes. really have to go anywhere, do you, nope. to do your job? No. Uh, when I used to ride for Rusty, you know, back uh, like ten, uh, what was it like eight ten years ago. I used to travel a lot more, and because uh, mm. the, there's a lot of uh, magazines that time, so yeah, we did a lot of trips like this for mm. the mags. And um, I remember that time I was just like, "Man, what am I doing here? The waves are pumping at home, and I'm yeah. just halfway across the world, just surf, trying to find surf, and it's most of the time pretty shitty." Mm. Um, but so now, like, I don't, I don't travel as much. I mm. stay at home a lot, and I, I try to do a lot of trips around Indonesia. Yeah. Um, just because it's the best over there. It is. Yeah, and it's close to home. Yeah. Cheap. <laughs> yeah. It's just super interesting, right, that um, because historically, like, surfers from other countries would be traveling to Indonesia mm-hmm. to get photos mm-hmm. and to do all the stuff that is required of a, you know, a free-surfing professional, yeah. you know, such as yourself. It Was it kind of like this, what was the go then? Why were you, why was it necessary for you to travel when you were sponsored back then, like, why do you think they um, well, wanted that? Um, just to get shots, you know, like, mm. um, that was uh, my requirement that time was to get photos in the mag. Yeah. So I had to do, like, a bunch of weird trips. Like, we went to Tanzania once, I remember. Okay. And, That's pretty out there. And I went to Zanzibar from <laughs> okay. there. But we didn't score anything. Yeah, right. It was, it was so bad, but... Um, yeah, it was something we did, and uh, after that, I just like kind of got over it. And, you know, yeah, like, it's expensive and it's far, and I have the best waves in my backyard. So yeah. I just try to stay home a lot now. But when this trip came up, I was like, I have to go here mm. just to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Has the your your what thirty five? How 35, old are you? Thirty five. Yeah, turning thirty six this year in May. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So you're kind of part of that generation of surfers that kind of, uh, well, let's take a step back here before I go into that. I'm gonna, I was about to talk about the transition from print to social media and what that's done to surfing careers. But maybe let's talk about, like, how did it all start for you in your surfing mm. journey? Well, I, I started surfing when my parents, uh, they built a hotel in Kuta Beach. Yeah. Uh, and I was about... I don't know, like 11, 12 years old at the yeah. time. And so I was by the beach and, you know, I had a buddy of mine. He he took me boogie boarding. Respect. For, <laughs> for, for one year, we, were, we just went boogie boarding. Sick. And yeah, and actually that, that helped a lot, like for me to be comfortable in the water yeah. and stuff. And then one day he was like, hey, let's, let's get a surfboard. Um, I was like, okay. So my dad bought me a surfboard. It was like, 50,000 at the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> 50,000 rupiah. And then 
And then my buddy that introduced me, his name is John, John Holm. Um, he, he moved back to Australia, so I didn't have a friend to go surfing with, so I uh-huh. kind of stopped a bit. And then at the same time, Rizal Tanjung came into the picture. He yeah. was dating my sister, and he came over to my house to see my sister, and I was rollerblading in the car park. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like... I was, the coolest kid in Bali at the time. <laughs> I still remember his first words, like, grab your board, let's go surf, grab your board. <laughs> Get those things off your feet, kid. Yeah. <laughs> and Rizal was already pro at that yeah, time. Yeah, totally, yeah. So, and then, but I didn't know, I was just like super grom still, you know, I didn't know much about pro surfing or anything. Just So I went with him and started surfing again every day and he guided me you know gave me a board and kind of told me like I remember the best tip he ever gave me was you know tuck your knees in you know when you stand uh-huh. up like so it looks better uh-huh so I still remember that and I really really appreciate that you know um, and then yeah just you know I got sponsored by Hot Tuna. Nice. <laughs> um, and then Quicksilver, because Rizal was on Quick. And then and then I had to move to Australia for school, for high school. Oh, did you? My high school in Bali only went up to grade 10. Right. So I had to stop. I stopped surfing for like two years. Maybe but I, where did you go to in Australia? On the Gold Coast. Well, you could have surfed there. Yeah, but I stayed inland. And, oh, did you? you? Know, I stayed with a friend of mine and his mom. Um, okay so I didn't really have access to the beach and you know I, I was like just, a car and all those yeah, things that you need exactly I didn't want her to drive like my friends wanted yeah, to drive yeah. me every day and plus I was busy with school okay and then um, after that my parents wanted me to continue my school like they wanted me to go to uni and stuff yeah. but I just wasn't feeling it like yeah. I was pretty homesick and like I just wanted to go back to Bali and you know I didn't know what I I just wanted to be home yeah so I, I got back into surfing, like, full. So that's, like, 18. Uh, that was, yeah, yeah, 18 when I graduated high school. Yeah. So I came home and just started surfing a lot. And um, and I was sponsored by Rusty for 10 years after that. Yeah, wow. And then that's when I did a lot of traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's interesting. So the Rizal influence, like, I mean, it sounds like he is kind of like the the main mentor in your whole career was like he pretty much, practically yeah. kicked the rollerblades off your feet and got you out <laughs> into the surf he loves telling that story to people too <laughs> that's a really good story <laughs> that's classic i mean what must it like you were kind of clueless as a grom when he you know Rizal walks in and takes your surfing mm. but obviously you figured out that i'm surfing with the the biggest name in surfing Not in Indo at, at that all? time no i didn't no no i was too young to realize all that but um did it ever come into your mind later to realize that? Um, yeah, I mean for sure later on. Yeah, mm. yeah. But at that time, not really. It was he was just like you know taking me surfing, and I was just a kid, just loving to surf, and mm. actually like never thought about you know ha- having surfing as a career. Like, okay. I I was into motorsports when I was young. I re- my dream was to become an F1 driver, you know. So you, that was the first thing we noticed you were watching when you got really? here. You were tuning into the F1 and we were like, what the no fuck's he looking yeah. at? So you were actually into motorsports. Oh, yeah. I was like, not even, I was just surfing for fun, but career, I didn't think about that at all. Yeah, right. Um, it kind of just happened. Like, I was in the perfect place, perfect time yeah. for that, you know. So mm. 
Interesting. <laughs> Are you a competitive guy? Because to look at like Formula One as a, like if that was your dream, I mean, it kind of says that you're pretty competitive. That's yeah. one of the most competitive sports out there. Yeah, I have a competitive side. Um, I won the Indonesian Championships in 2011. Okay. Um, that was a, yeah, that was good. Uh, but I channel my competitiveness to free surfing now. So mm-hmm. when I'm filming, you know, that's my challenge is to get clips and yep. do do good moves and stuff like that. How do you then translate the competitive drive into that free surfing space then? Like what is a practical, what's a practical kind of description of an, of a surf? Like when you go into the surf, do you have a list of things you're going to do um, or really. how do you measure the success of a free surfing depends, session? It depends a lot on the wave on that yeah. day for me, you know, like I'm like, if, if even if I want to do like a big air, if the wave doesn't allow me, then I'm not going to go for that. Sure. I just try to surf the wave as good as possible on that day. You know? mm. If it's just whatever, it doesn't have to be a certain maneuver. Yeah. But yeah. How does it work as a free surfing kind of professional to, because there, there are a few out there now, right? There's quite a few free surfing professionals, you mm-hmm. could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like, do you only, like, I mean, do you only wait to surf when there's cameras or, or are you out there practicing without the cameras as well? Yeah, like how often, what's sure. the kind of balance? So I, uh, I surf every day. I try to surf every day, mm-hmm. even if the waves are, you know, shitty and onshore mm. i live like three minutes from the beach in kuta so mm. that's good just to keep my body fit sure. so when the waves do come i'm i'm ready you mm-hmm. know i'm not i'm not like off timing and stuff yeah, like sure. that so that helps a lot um yeah i just try to keep keep fresh keep fit and surf every day okay yeah what about with your like do you do cross training and things mm. like that like because a lot of guys who are on the tour that you know they're yeah. doing they've got like trainers yeah. and they're doing lots of kind of bullshit there no like, i i don't like it to be honest like it's kind of bores me out i'd rather surf yeah sure yes or uh i like riding my bicycle okay um but other than that i just try to surf as much as i can yep. yeah no, no extra training no gym no nothing nah. one of the things i noticed on this trip um, is that you're not really confined to one board type when you're mm. surfing. You've got a full, you've got a pretty uh, broad quiver. The only thing you don't have is like a step up gun. I think you don't. I haven't. Well, you haven't pulled it out yet. That, the one I've been riding, the five ten, is my step up. Oh, is that yeah, that's my step up. My short board is five sure? eight. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's a step up. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, you have a pretty broad um, selection to work from. Mm. I mean, do you feel like is that something? that that you what are the benefits of having a quiver like that in your opinion um it just keeps it fresh for me mm. um i started writing like 20s like you know a long time ago and i remember a lot of my friends used to be like why are you writing like boards from back in the day you know sure but it was just to keep fresh to keep mm. the feeling fresh so when i do get on my you know normal thruster board I feel, you know, fresh again. Yeah. After riding like a single fin or a twin fin, you know, I like to ride a bunch of different boards already from a long time ago. Mm. Yeah, just f- to keep that feeling fresh. And you were just kind of touching on something that like when you're 
kind of transitioning. So if you've been riding a single fin for a while or a mm. couple of sessions and then you, you know, or you've been on a 20 for a couple of sessions, what you seem to be like, what you were trying to say also is that there is this kind of looseness that because you're kind of re- restricting yourself to mm-hmm. an extent on mm-hmm. those boards maybe. Yeah, yeah. Is that a big benefit that you can see from it all when you get onto the thruster? Yeah, um, like when I ride the the twin, you know, I feel like my style is more relaxed mm. and, and I feel better. And then I translate that when I ride the thruster. Well, I try to, but, you know, it just depends on the wave and on the day, how you feel. So every day is a bit different. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. I think everyone seems to relax on yeah. a 20. Yeah, that's right. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it, yeah, it changes I, everything. I feel it too. As soon as I get up on my twin fin, I'm like way more chilled and yeah, like everything exactly. just feels right. It's so weird. Know. It's so weird. It's like, yeah, it's not an act. It's a feeling. Mm. <laughs> but it's classic. It's classic. Um, one of the things I was wondering with this whole career development um, now that we've got a bit of the origin story sorted out, I do want to pick a little bit more into that origin um, and kind of the origin of your kind of pro surfing moment. Like, mm-hmm. wh- was there a time where, you, where it really dawned on you that, hang on, I'm a professional surfer? Mm. Was there like a moment, a very specific um, moment where that became real? I don't know. I never really thought like that. Never, you know, I never really had like, a moment where I thought, oh, I'm a pro, or I don't know. It just happened naturally, and yeah, you know, I, I probably still would surf anyway mm. if I wasn't sponsored or anything, you know, like that. But um, yeah, like I said, I was just in the right place at the right time. You know, that time in Bali or Indonesia, Asia, mm. surfing was booming. You know, mm. and it still is booming in a lot of parts of Asia. Sure. Um, yeah, I just, you know, at the time I didn't really realize, but now, like, everything kind of slowed down a bit. And, mm. you know, I, I'm not making as much money as I used to. Mm. Um, so now I look back, it's like, wow, that was really a good time, That you know, that time. But, um, yeah, like I said, it's just, for me, it's just fun, and I feel good being in the water, um, you know, my day's better if I'm at least an hour in the water every day. Mm. So I still be doing that anyway, but being sponsored is just a bonus, mm. I guess. So I guess were you just kind of like it seems like you were just cruising along, and then suddenly like the contracts just got bigger, and you really yeah. weren't paying much attention to Not it because really. you were I just thought, doing your thing anyway. I thought it was normal. Well, a lot of my friends in my group were also we're going through the same thing as me, you know, we were all like getting good contract at the time and just surfing. Who would you say that group was that you kind of, uh, um, kind of grew through surfing yes. with? Cause it's been, I mean, would you say it's been like a, it must be like a t- 10 to 15 year career yeah. you could say now. Yeah. yeah. So who's the, gr- who's the crew that you kind of grew in surfing well, with? Well, for sure. Uh, Lee Wilson was a big part of me. Um, you know, we pushed each other a lot cool. since we were young. And um, just in my area in Kuta that I grew up, um, there's Ball, Mariari Putra, and mm-hmm. there's Garut. Um, you know, there's a lot of top guys from Kuta where I grew up with. Uh, 
And then, yeah, they're all like sponsored by all the big brands. Like Garut was on, is still on Rip Curl. Mm-hmm. Balls on Volcom. Lee's on Brixton now. Uh, so, yeah, we're still. Still holding it down. Yeah, still doing it after a while. <laughs> that must be cool. <laughs> yeah. That must be cool. Yeah. Is it a, um, you kind of said that, you know, the, the contracts have gotten smaller now yeah. into this kind of, do, do you feel like you're in a, in like a, a twilight period of your career, of career? It doesn't even sound like a career to me. No, I, even I wouldn't even word. say it a career, yeah. It doesn't feel like a career. Mm. But what do you mean like a twilight? Yeah, kind of like the things are kind of on a, you've had a peak. Yeah. And it's kind of just gradually kind of tapering off yeah. and, yeah. you know. Yeah, thirty-five. Like, yeah. I mean, are you do you, do you think that you'll still be representing sponsors at forty, or do you think I that? I hope so. I yeah. don't know. I have a contract with Hurley uh, until the end of twenty twenty. So there I'll you be go. Thirty-eight. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so if I get an extension, I'll be stoked. But uh, yeah, you know, as long as I um, as long as I perform, then I feel yeah. I deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you're performing um, like you did in your, like, you know, I think Mm. all of us uh, with our kind of bodies, like actually I I think like into your mid-30s is usually the peak physical moment for most guys. Do you feel like you're kind of in your peak form and in your peak surfing? I think I'm in my peak now. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but a lot of people tell me, I I don't really pay attention, but a lot of people tell me that I'm surfing better than ever and... I like cool. to hear that. <laughs> and you, but you feel it. I feel it too, yeah. I think you I know mean, when uh, you're surfing well. Or yeah, I mean, I see it because I get, you know, filmed a lot and yeah, I feel it. And also my boards are a lot better too. Okay. Because when I was at Rusty, you know, for like that period of 10 years, I'd never had a relationship with any of the shapers because I had shapers in Australia, Japan, America. Okay. But I would just email them numbers. Yeah, right. And um, I would just get like maybe one in 10 boards would work for me. Right. But now I'm writing for YU. Okay. Um, it's a Japanese shaper. Uh, his name is Yoshi Ueda. Okay. And he's a maestro. He's like, every board he makes me is magic, you know, because right. he... um. He knows the way I surf. I show him my footage, and uh-huh. we we go on surf trips together. Okay. So we have a real relationship, and and it's much better. I think since I got on the YUs, uh-huh. my surfing went up. That's interesting. Yeah. Let's stick on this subject for a second, <laughs> then, because you know there is this kind of uh, reality of the surf industry right now, where everything is kind of like manufactured and mass-produced and mm-hmm. you can pull them out America mm-hmm. off the shelf mm-hmm. now and, mm-hmm. and any other shaper, like a lot of shapers now have off-the-shelf boards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how important, yeah, like how important is it for guys or ladies out there who are surfing to, to look at like building a relationship with a shaper? How critical do you think it is to well, improve some surfing? I found it for myself. It's cri- like super important that you have a relationship with your shaper. Mm. I mean, you, you can still get magic boards off the rack, you know, but the consistency will not be Well, the there. 1 in 10 doesn't sound very yeah. good, but particularly for the average person who, yeah. you know, if they're buying one board, you know, if they're really mm. looking after themselves, they might yeah. buy one a year. It's hard. It's hard to find a magic board, mm. for sure. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, with YU, like I show him my footage, you know, I email him clips of the yeah. new board. Like he's super into it too, you know? Yeah. It's like, hey, how's that board going? And so I'll email him a clip. Yeah, it just helps a lot. Okay. Sure. Yeah. 
How did you, like, how did that relationship start with that shaper? Because it kind of sounds interesting. Is he shaping in Indo so, or is, yeah. So, YU sponsors Rizal. Okay. Rizal got on YU when he was 16. Jerry oh, Lopez, right. Jerry Lopez hooked him up. Um, Jerry went to Indonesia, went to GLAN with Rizal. Rizal was about 16 years old and Jerry saw how amazing Rizal surfed, you know, and then he sent a fax to YU. Like, <laughs> he's like, hey, you got to sponsor this kid. Rizal still has a fax, actually. He That's showed amazing. Once. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so Rizal and YU had a relationship already. And, of course, like, YU saw me surfing when I was a kid. Sure. But I had a couple, like, the board Rizal gave me when I first met him was a YU. Okay. And, um, but then I got, you know, rusty boards and all that. So I couldn't ride the YUs. So, me and Y, you go way back, actually. That's interesting. Yeah. And now Rizal rides for Paisel with, with his kids. Uh-huh. Because they're based in Bali. Okay. So, it's much easier for the kids to access the boards, you know. Because okay. they're, they're growing every year. Yeah, and, sure. And why you couldn't, like, keep sending boards from Japan, you know, it was too hard for him. Yeah. So, now I'm the only rider um, for YU in Indonesia. So okay. it's pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I don't go through that many boards, so... No, you've got one. Yeah. I mean, what are you carrying here? I, How I old are some of those? That are like five, six years old. It's so, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. They're pretty bashed up. Like one of them, I've, the, the little quads you got, yeah. like, I mean, it, but it's still delivering. Yeah, yeah, no, that board's sick. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. With YUs, they, they last forever, it seems like. Okay. Yeah. And I also asked him to, to glass it a bit thicker so they last longer. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. it's funny like it did like it's kind of like a weird like it's, a, it's probably one of the coolest connections i've heard like mm. jerry lopez recommends someone to get sponsored who then passes on the torch yeah. to someone else it's not it's a nice lineage to be a part of you yeah, know like it's, it's a cool. it's a cool story to be a part of <laughs> yeah. um with you know growing up and surfing in in bali you have probably you've basically surfed or developed through a huge period of, um, you know, the surfing boom mm -hmm. and how, you know, just how much have you, like, what are some of the positives of that change and some of the negatives? Let's, let's maybe start with the negatives so that we can finish on a more positive note with the discussion. <laughs> but what are some of the downsides of this boom in, in Indonesia? Well, of course, uh, you know, the, the attention we have so much that, of course, people want to come. Mm. So naturally your your home breaks get more crowded mm. which is you know happens everywhere in the world and sure can't really do anything about it but um just have to find new spots yeah well there's an excuse <laughs> um what else i don't know what do you think the world do the do the do, do the surfers who visit there behave like is it kind of well, is that just, a challenge or not just like anywhere you get kooks everywhere you know sure but um i just try to stay away from that and like i'd rather surf a mediocre wave you know with less people rather than a perfect wave with like mm. 100 guys out but it is what it is where would you where do you, well, you don't have to name spots, but you know, like, are you not, are you avoiding all of the main breaks now then? Like um, the Padangs and the Uluwatus yeah. and stuff like that. You just don't go there. Lately, I haven't been going there because it's been really crowded. Sure. So I, um, 
I actually been surfing beach breaks a lot in, in front of my house. Sure. Um, it's just easy. I don't have to like deal with traffic. I just sure. walk just out. Just walk out the front. Get a couple waves. Actually, the waves are super good anyway in front. You know. Just, yeah. Right. I get my my fix there, and um, unless there's like, you know, if the Hurley team comes over, then I'll like go out to the main breaks. Yeah. Okay. How do you navigate those breaks? I mean, are you, are you, you know, like, is it, is, do the locals kind of keep some control of these breaks? You know, you got a yeah. pipeline, you know, the locals still make sure they control mm-hmm. that place. And mm-hmm. like, is, is Bali, does Bali have that kind of um, I regulation? Say, I would say it's getting less and less regulated now. Okay. Um, but, you know, if I go out, I'll just, stay out for like an hour or two so i'll just try to get as many waves as i can hmm. and then let the the rest of the people have it you know yeah sure um yeah indo has been explored a lot over the last you know you could say it's like a 40 year journey now or mm-hmm. more yeah more how is there still more exploring to do definitely i think it's, we're not even like scratching the surface yet, I think. Really? You know, there's so many waves there. Just like a few months ago, I surfed a, a totally new wave in Bali. In Bali? In Bali, yeah. yeah okay. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, even in, in, on Bali, there's still a lot of waves unsurfed right now. But um, yeah, if you go further east or west, I'm sure there's so many good waves. You just have to put the time in and work out when it's best. Mm. Yeah. Is that an interesting thing for you to pursue now that you're there more often? Mm. Is this what you find yourself doing or um not really. I like I tend to like let someone else do the research <laughs> first. <laughs> and then I'll just join them later. <laughs> um, you got good friends. Yeah. <laughs> I have a buddy of mine, uh, his name is Todd Gizondi. He's, oh yeah, Todd. Oh, yeah, yeah, Todd, yeah, Todd, yeah. Right? Todd, Todd, Todd. So yeah, Todd um He's the, got that Buen Baru charter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so is he your van? He's the van. He so just yeah, calls he, it in. He discovers all Marlin. the spots. And, That's rad. And if it's good, I'll go on the next one. Sick. Oh, he'll, he'll call me up. He's a frother. Okay, dude, yeah. He he's, he's so into it. Yeah. So is he on the boat? Actually, like, he, he's the one that took me to that wave in Bali, the one I was just telling yeah, you about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, his boat, because are you sponsored by the boat? Yeah. Is that kind of yeah. one of the things? Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that. So let, what's this boat and what does it do? Let's give a um, shout out. Yeah. We've got so attention. The boat is called Bulan Baru, which means new moon. Oh, nice. Bulan Baru is new moon in Bahasa. Yeah. And uh, it's like a Panishi style boat. Uh-huh. Really comfortable. Three levels. Good food. Mm-hmm. Good crew. Yeah. And they go east Indonesia a lot and uh, it's pretty rare you know like mm-hmm. mostly the boats are west side of Indonesia yeah which has been done so I like to go east and uh, yeah I just hop on any time and he goes like um, I think two times a month they have okay. their trip so you know whenever the boat's not so packed I'll go on and sick I'll fly to the boat get on Hang around. Surf on that island wherever we are and then get off and fly back to Bali so I don't have to like spend... Do that whole crossing yeah, exactly. bullshit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll meet you there. Yeah. Or tell me when you're there. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So they're, they're, they're actually hitting on some... Like that 
particular boat there must be others of course but that like they're actually kind of finding spots because mm. they're kind of drifting around and mm. like checking things out every time i'm on that boat there's no other boat around that's amazing yeah so that's amazing it's pretty cool cool we'll have to throw a little link in there to todd and, and give him a little <laughs> yeah. shout out in the notes um so if anyone wants to check out bulambaru um that sounds like a pretty good time to me that yeah. sounds really cool um in in life, you know, like you, you, as we were talking about, like you know, you you're actually gonna be a dad relatively soon, right? Yeah, three more months. From three now. more months. There you go. There you go. I can't believe it. It's I never thought I'd you know be a dad, but kind of just happened really quick. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a surprise. Okay. It's it's a good time. I think I'm 35 now, so you know. I know yeah, it's about right. I found out it's a boy, so... Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm kind of nervous and excited. Of course. (laughs) Of course. What does the nervousness come about? Like, is it about being a father and actually doing the job, or is it kind of giving up on certain maybe good times that you might be able to have getting on the road? Or where does the nervousness come Um, from? Just that freedom, you know. Yeah. Most of my life, I could just go anywhere, anytime I want, you know. And now, I can't really do that anymore, but... My wife's super cool. She understands. And sure. She lets me, she lets me travel and do my thing. Mm. For sure, with a baby sooner, I'm not gonna have so much freedom. <laughs> I've spoken to a lot of dudes though. Who, I mean, the the rumor has it that like our heads kind of just change as soon as that little thing gets born. That's what I hear too. I haven't yeah. I haven't done it myself yet, okay. so I don't really know the experience. But I've heard that we actually just kind of like don't care. Yeah, I'm sure once. The baby's out. All I want to do is hang with a baby. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to when it gets bigger and I can go to the beach with it. Sure, sure. That, you know? Tell it to get the rollerblades off and come surfing. <laughs> never introducing <laughs> It's never going to get the rollerblades. No way. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there you go. You, some lessons have stuck with you then. You, yeah. you know, the rollerblades will never be there. That's I don't great. Know what I was thinking that time. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, well, I think um, I think one of the one of the things. Well, good luck with fatherhood when it comes along. Yeah. I'm sure you're going to be a great dad, so that'll be cool. Um, what does the you know this this kind of film project that's happening right now? Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to you know release later on the year, I think, according to the guy's schedule and things like that. But you know, do you have any other um, plans in the year that you want to? Um, pursue or are you going to be mostly just looking at just doing the life on the ground in bali and yeah i have nothing i have nothing planned like you know like these kind of trips i just come up you know Mm. like i don't plan these things um but i for sure i want to keep filming and getting you know footage on good waves Mm. because i know it's you know it's not forever that i'm going to be able to do this sure you know, the body gets older and mm-hmm. you're not as fit, of course. Everything's mm-hmm. stiffer. <laughs> but for sure, that's my, my priority is to to go on trips like this, mm-hmm. film as much as I can and get photos. That's that's what I love doing. And um, I get a high out of it, you know. It's sure. Like I get a good buzz out of it. If I get a good shot or a good clip, mm-hmm. it never gets old for me. Yeah. 
on that question because it was what I was going to ask you about when we when we first started to I stopped myself from asking it because then I wanted to get the origin story out but what I was going to ask is you know you're a 35 year old guy soon 36 mm-hmm. you've lived through in a career that had magazines as the main kind of arena for, mm-hmm. for you to build yourself and now you've shifted into the social media world mm-hmm. do you feel like it has gotten easier to do your job as a result of social media or is it actually harder um well i just i, I just surf you know and um for me now it's probably easier with the social media because then you know you have your own voice you know mm. like you, you can pick which shot you like whereas before like you had no control over that mm. and sometimes you get a photo in the mag and it's like, oh, I don't really like that photo. Yeah, yeah. So in that way, it's 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 better. But um, at the same time, when the mags were around, it was so like so so much more special, you know, mm. to get a print. And uh, I remember when I got a cover shot in one of the international mags, it was just like. Actually, that's the moment where I felt... There we go. Yeah. Okay, that was it. <laughs> yeah, when I got that cool. cover at Transworld, I was okay. like, okay, wow, okay, that's super cool, and I felt really good about myself. Yeah. It's a different different high, for sure. Well, it, yeah, like, I mean, it must have been... Did, were you given much notice that it was going no, to be on the cover, or you walked into the news agencies and saw it? Total surprise. Um, how did I find out? I think... Uh, just online on the internet I found out and I really couldn't believe it it was yeah I was just so stoked yeah yeah <laughs> that's a feeling that's probably not going to happen no I don't think there's I... a few mags like I mean there are some mags yeah, yeah. Nordic Surface mag still has two print yeah. issues per year I'll there let the listener yeah. remember like, <laughs> you never know we might be able to get you a Nordic Surface cover please yeah <laughs> add it to the list add it to the list well, I mean, I think it's a good note to to finish on. Like, you've got a few days left um, yeah. up here in, in Lufthulton. Mm. I mean, I think, well, so far, I think you've grabbed some pretty sweet waves and some yeah. of the stuff come through yeah, is we're, pretty cool. We're chipping away yeah. every day. We have something new, some new footage, new, yeah. new photos. Yeah. I think we're going to get some a good article and a good piece after this trip. Yeah. Hoping, yeah. I think so, too. I think so, yeah. Well, good luck with the rest of the trip. It's been a it's been a pleasure hanging out and surfing with you. Likewise. And um, yeah, I think um, let's stay tuned, or the listener can stay tuned and mm-hmm. see what eventuates from this uh, this journey up here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to what we're gonna get out of all of this mm. from this trip. Cool. I think there's probably some food waiting for us out yeah. there. We should go eat it. Yep, let's do it. So there it was. A great chat with Marlon Gerber recorded a little while ago and we all know now that the outcome of that trip was the Clash of Climates uh, film which has been received really well all throughout Europe Um, and now it's live for you to enjoy online. Um, Big thanks again to the sponsors Kona Brewing and uh, to my man Tim Latte for bringing me along. It was a really great trip and um, a a truly memorable one. We do have some new episodes in the vault which are going to be released over the coming weeks. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for the support of the podcast and of the magazine as well. And um, here's to getting through 2020 and doing some much bigger and better things in 2021. Thanks again.